0: Welcome back into the lacrosse bucket podcast. Tanner Demwing here with y'all as always. Quarter lacrosse to get to, both recapping what went on this week during the midweek slate, as well as previewing what is to come this weekend. Should be an exciting weekend of college lacrosse. First game I want to talk about here. Brown and Villanova. This game lived up to the hype. Villanova comes back in the second half. It's a 15-14 win for Brown in this one. As Villanova with 27 seconds left. Risky penalty from Ryan Argovin on the ride. Gives the Wildcats the man up possession. They cash in on a Brett Baskin score. Justin Coppola wins the ensuing faceoff after really struggling all day against Matt Gunty. Um, we get J.P. Seal shot, flies wide, six seconds after that goal, uh, about 10 seconds remaining. you get a timeout from uh, Coach Colorado. And then Luke Keating has a turnover, um, a very silly turnover. And Brown gets the ball back. They run it out, and they get the win. And, and this is a game which Brown once st- led start to finish, and uh, you know it was an exciting back and forth first period, four three Brown heading into the second, um, and then the Bears went on an absolute tail, uh, outscoring the Wildcats eleven to six in the second and third periods alone, that included. A 7-3 second period. Brown got five straight, got up 9-4 to four in that one, and then takes an 11-6 lead at the half. Devin McLean, nine points on the day for Brown, was absolutely amazing. Had that uh, goal where he gets hit from behind, kind of rolls over, somehow keeps the ball on his stick, and boom, puts it in the back of the net. Uh, During that run there for the Bears, Brian Antonelli had five goals, one assist, a really solid day for him, especially in the first half in this Brown offense. Really got what they wanted when they were going, and really the fuel on that that started the fire for that offense was Matt Gunty. Uh, 15 for 31 at the dot. That includes an 8 for 10, 80% second period of play that really helped Brown dominate and go on that big run where they were able to take that lead heading into the half. um, Brett Baskins, eight points, six goals to assist for Villanova. Four of those came during that Villanova game-ended run. He scored twice and assisted on two other goals. Luke Keating had two goals and four assists, six points on the day as well. Uh, Villanova, you gotta give them credit for the way they came back ends the game on a massive run. they cut it to one they just can't get over the hump um Villanova they're gonna have some some trouble at the face off dot again it looks like, but it if they can find it and a couple they did a good job of not letting gunty win those things clean, but having to fight for those ground balls. Unfortunately, Brown is a pretty good ground ball team as well there. Um, and, you know, Coppola did gather himself in the second half, going 10 for 14 in those final two periods, 6 for 6 in the fourth. Uh, but in the first half, was was really, really pitiful there against Gunty. So did gather himself, did get things going but it just wasn't enough, and, and and that can be said for Villanova on all ends of the field, every aspect of the game. Brown, 22 turnovers, 11 caused. Villanova had 20. 11 of those turnovers came from the Bears, came in the second half of play, so really Brown breaking down there in the second half, and we saw it was very similar to the Vermont game where Brown is able to come out hot able to go on these big runs, but they just can't sustain it uh so t- to me that's my biggest takeaway is Brown has got to learn how to sustain these big runs they've been able to hold off the opponent two games straight now, but if they're gonna continue to be and if they are gonna be one of the top teams in the Ivy League uh you've got to figure out a way to sustain these runs. Moving on to this next game here. Duke and High Point, this is one really where Duke – so High Point, I will say this. I said coming into this game, High Point, I thought, needed to – first of all, if they could play like they did against Virginia, was going to be solid, and they did that. They needed to clean up the turnovers, needed to the, – the, the defense needed to hold this Duke offense as much as they could. And uh, you know, I think they did that. Parker Green, fourteen saves. Uh, we didn't see a ton of success from the from the high point offense, a high point defense, I should say. Um, but this Parker Green performance in cage really helped hold things together for a lot longer than they could have. And um, look, th- this high point offense. I think you know it's an eighteen to fourteen. Win for Duke and uh, Sean Lowley, they start him at that X-attack spot. And he has another big game. Nakamura Montgomery has another big game, five goals there. Lowey with five goals, three assists. Those two just ate all night. They were able to get what they want when they wanted it. And really, the, the high point defense had no answer for them. But as I mentioned, Parker Green did as best of a job as he could. Against this tough Duke offense. And look, on the other end, it was offensive heavy as well. Uh, we've talked on here about how Duke, their defense it, it is not the best in, in, in the ACC. Um, we'll talk about Syracuse here in a second. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know right now which one is better. But neither are pretty good. Uh, the short sticks for Duke are, you know, they get exposed from time to time. And that hurts them. And look, this high point offense, when you got guys like Ashley Nolting, Braden Maya, Jack Sawyer, that can just go off and and, and and get what they want. Ashley Nolting, eight points, three goals, five assists to lead the way. Can't let that happen against the SOCON team. Can't let that happen against anybody. Um, But. Duke's defense does that. Uh, Luckily, their offense is better, and the faceoff spot was better, where Jake Naso goes 22 for 32, uh, really held them down. Mike Adler, 11 saves in cage. So those two spots really helped them kind of inhibit this high-point offense as best as you can. Uh, but really, a game of runs, if there ever was one, because both of these offenses, for periods of time, uh, you no, know, they would get possession and they would get what they wanted, and they got what they wanted with you no know, fairly, fairly easy, fairly easily, um, so an offensive battle, nonetheless. There, Duke in high point, in this one, Sean Wally again, at the X attack spot. Joe Robertson did not play um you gotta wonder about about his health and then you gotta wonder when do they just put at x because yes, he's produced against Delaware and high Point at that spot i I kind of think they're better with him at that spot like I think he's probably the best offensive player. That's no disrespect to Nakai, or Brennan O'Neill, or Joe Robertson, but when you have a guy like Sean Moly that can both feed and score and dodge at as high of a level as he can, this is an All-American Cowboy guy that you get in as a transfer. Did they not learn anything from last year? Not playing Michael Savage correctly. I don't know. We'll see how things go. Throughout the rest of the season, there but certainly Sean Lowey looked fantastic. Back there at X. Cornell beats Hobart in the rivalry contest, fifteen to twelve. Big Red go to three zero you know, on the season. I watched kind of second quarter on in this one. Um, Billy Coyle gets gets a a big game from him there. For the big red, he had the first goal in the third quarter to knock things up at five. Then added three more in the final period of play. So a four-goal game for him. C.J. Coast, three goals, one assist. Uh, Hobart's defense was not able to hold. So first of all, it's a 2-0 game at the end of the first. Tells you a little bit about both these teams. And then it's 5-4 at the half. Again, tells you a little bit about both these teams, how they start games. Slow. Now, a 12-2 to two stretch in the second half, Cornell goes off. Cornell goes off. They said, you know, we heard about our, our offensive struggles. We heard people talking. We're going to show you what we can do. And they did that. Credit to them. Angelo Petrakis, 60% of the dot against a solid faceoff guy and Adam Shea. He bounces back after a terrible performance against Mikey Sisselberger. So he played well. Cornell outshot Hobart 51-38. This game really comes down that second-half stretch there where Petrakis dominated. And this this big red offense dominated. Really, really did. Hobart, they got Syracuse coming up where they can rebound. And uh I don't know. That that that's gonna be an interesting one because both those teams want to bounce back. A Couple other Tuesday games to get to here. Uh Michigan started slow but they beat Marquette twelve to ten. Um, it's a 3-0 game early on in the contest here. Michael bame six points, three goals, three assists. Josh Zawada, two goals, four assists. Nick Rowlett, 13 for 21 at the dot, 61%. Those guys eventually eventually settled in, did what they needed to do. Uh, this Michigan defense does not do a, 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 a fantastic job, I would say. Shane Carl, nine saves, under 50% save percentage. There, they let this Marquette uh offense you know, get on some runs. That first one. 3-0 in the first period. Uh, three quick goals, by the way. They they let Marquette get some opportunities they shouldn't have had. And, you know, three goals for Nick for Nolan Rapis there. To lead the Golden Eagles. Mike O'Leary, I think, did as best of a job as you can against this Michigan offense. 15 saves. Uh but remember I said this was going to be a game in which in one in one way or another, Michigan was going to get tested like they hadn't before. And look, the 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 I thought it was gonna be more so of their offense, and you could say that with the success of the Marquette uh play in cage, but this Michigan defense, again, you know we've seen them play some lesser teams, blow them out, you no know, whatever. But when you play these tougher teams, and Marquette's the start of a tougher stretch for for Michigan, they got Delaware on Saturday. Um, how's that defense going to look? Bryant, they bounce back, sixteen to twelve win over Bellman. Uh, this is one where. Bryant really, you know, they, they, they had control. You could feel it from the second quarter on. Um, but Bellman was able to stay in this game. And much due to Dante Batista, he comes in in the second period, uh, replaces J.C. Higginbotham. And he has him a solid game there, nine saves in cage from him. And then Luke Caracciolo for Bryant, 15 saves. So I think both goaltenders did a fantastic job in this one, uh, stepping up when they were needed the most. And Caracciolo and and that Bryant defense staved off the Knights offensive attack, uh, put 28 of its 37 shots on cage. And Bulldogs held Bryant held Bellarmine to eighteen of twenty-three in the clear and uh eleven and caused eleven of the Knights seventeen turnovers. So offensive struggle from Bellarmine there kind of kills them as uh, they were outscored. You no, know, really it it was a defensive performance there with two good defenses. Uh but the first half it's nine to six Bryant and uh Bellarmine never able to, blind blind out Bellman seven to six, in the final three periods of play, Bellman on their heels but never able to get in front. There, uh, Richmond beat St. Bonaventure seventeen to three, Georgetown twenty one to four over Mount St. Mary's, Monmouth nine to seven over Wagner, and then Fairfield nineteen to sixteen over Sacred Heart. Taylor Stroh had. Five goals in that one and that is our Tuesday recap now let's move on to Wednesdays games which we had three of one of which is still going on in Siena and Albany won't talk about that one at all, but we move here to Syracuse and Army where the Black Knights beat the orange seventeen to thirteen marks the first time the Black Knights have beaten Syracuse consecutive years since 1972 and 1973. And that was when Army dominated the series in the 60s and the 70s, won like 15 or something straight like that. And in this one, the Black Knights really... um, It was a late game run that ends this thing. And for and secures the win for the Black Knights. Syracuse, it wasn't, I, like, it was the little things. It was the little things that killed them. Uh, you had that penalty stemming from a scrum. With about final 10 seconds left in the third, uh, Black Knights open the fourth on a man up. They take advantage. Danny Kilbasa goal, and then they get five more to end the game on a six-goal run. That, uh, Stretches back to the you know, late in the fourth when they got one, and they get the 17-13 win. Uh, you know, two of those Army goals there in that final run came off failed Syracuse careers, uh, which was really, really bad for them. 20 for 24 uh, on the clear Syracuse was on the day. Uh, the Black Knights also had two. Goals all failed. Clues in the set in the first uh, quarter as well, Uh during Army's five goals run there in the first that helped them take an early five to one lead. Uh, this Black Knights team they took advantage every way they could, and credit to them for that. Um, they were able to you know unbelievable shooting day. You had Syracuse pulls Bobby Gavin puts Harrison Thompson in there. And you no know, the Army knows this the goalie it play from be. Syracuse is not fantastic. The defense is not fantastic either. Uh we can take advantage, and they did. Brenda Nick Turn, four goals two assist. Bobby Abshire, four goals, one assist. I believe Nick uh, moves up to fifth all time in points in uh West Point history. He needs like uh thirty some odd more uh to be the all time leader there, which I'm pretty sure he's going to get that, and it's pretty unbelievable that he's going to do that. And basically three and a half years of college lacrosse with 2020 being taken away from him, uh, in part outside of the you know, three, five games they were able to get in. Bobby Abshire, four goals, one assist on the day. And Abshire, all, he had all four of his goals came. In the, fourth, in the second half alone. So really a huge second half for Bobby Abshire. And just, again, the shooting of this uh, Black Knights team was killer for the Syracuse defense. Absolutely killer. 28 of 50. Uh, uh, 50 shots, 28 on cage there. Uh, that's 56% shoot. Put of your shots on cage. That's pretty good. Uh, in my book at least, and you White know, Schupper on the back end, 13 saves there, and Cage for the Black Knights defense that held Syracuse scoreless in the final period of play. They switched um, to a zone. I don't know if they played in the zone the whole time in the fourth, but they switched to it at times during the game, and you saw, like what happened against Virginia, it stifled this Syracuse offense, which is a dodge-heavy offense. It stifled them. and Syracuse does not get a goal in the final period of play. Heck of a job to the Black Knights there. In the final period, um, you know, and you know, y- 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 you look and they get three goals just in the second half alone. And that was after the second period. But Syracuse was able to get into a rhythm. Uh, mentioned the dodge-heavy offense; it was working as well as we've seen it all season. Owen Seabold, Brennan Curry, any every matchup that was thrown at them they were able to win it, and they were able to get goals. Each of them had four goals on the day to lead the way for the Orange. Uh, Tucker Dordovic was more so of a facilitator with one goal and two assists on the day, including one assist where he threads the needle from up top, uh, working basically at the midfield on that play. Uh, and, and, and really, Syracuse had the momentum for the majority really the middle portion of this game Syracuse won. It's the beginning and the end that they lose and until they lose the game and it was the little things that mattered jacob fop twenty two for th- for twenty three at the face off that's ninety five percent ninety five percent at the face off dot uh, really really big day for him also had a goal his first of his career. Towson and Loyola. I have not watched them play. I did not watch this game, uh, outside of like a little bit of the second half. Man, this is a tough one for both teams. Uh, I would say it's a eleven to eight win for for Towson, but you know, th- this one is six to five at the half. You have five goals in the second half, and for Loyola, for Towson. And two for Loyola. It's not not a not a good and, and neither of these defenses are fantastic. So I'm gonna have to go back <clears throat> and watch this whole one. But uh, looks like it, it was worse for for Loyola than it was for Towson. For certain. as you get two goals there against the Towson defense that hasn't been spectacular uh, thus far here in 2022. Do you want to mention, though, uh, Kevin Linley had one goal. He's now the all-time leader, 165 and uh, points in the Patriot League. All-time leader, Kevin Linley, which is uh, kind of insane to say because uh, you don't know. You look at that, you think, oh, Pat Spencer, now Kevin Linley, Kevin Lindley. The other seven. The other seven from Oil. Towson, Nick DeMayo Austin Stewart, Kyle Berkeley, James Alvazanto. Do their thing off- offensively. Shane in 12 saves in cage there. Uh, and the Tigers get the big rivalry win to cap off uh, what was an exciting Tuesday of action. As I mentioned, one game still going on. And as I check, it's a 10-7 to Albany lead here in the fourth period of play.